The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you'd like to stand and join us. faces. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, humble in heart and uh, with full acknowledgement that while we have peace and safety in our, in our house of worship and in the midst of our friends and our family in you, Lord, that there is um, wars, there are wars and rumors of wars all over the globe today. Father, there is suffering um, such as we cannot even imagine. And we ask you, Lord, to intervene and to bring peace and to alleviate suffering. And most, most pertinently, that you would draw men's hearts unto you, that you would turn them from acts of war and evil unto the God of peace and love, that you would be supreme and you would reign supreme in their hearts. And in our hearts today, be with us here today as we um, worship and love you and hear your word. And I pray a special blessing on our Pastor Ray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again, everybody. Good morning. And again, thank you, Ron, for that beautiful music that was preparing our hearts today. Um, how many times have we been falsely accused of something and what is our first reaction to do? Defend ourselves. Well, there's another example. It was love. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, loving kindness, I have drawn you. Many people have difficulty believing God is love. How can he be when the world is filled with so much suffering and evil? It's not an easy issue to look at, but if we really want to know the reality of God's love, look to the cross. It was divine love that made Christ endure the cross, despising the shame. It was love that restrained him when he was falsely accused of blasphemy and was led to Golgotha to die with common thieves 
He raised not a hand against his enemies. It was love that kept him from calling legions of angels to come to his defense. It was love that made him, in a moment of agonizing pain, pause and give hope to the repentant sinner who cried, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it was love that caused Jesus to lift his voice and pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Does God love us? Yes. And the proof is in the cross. And the hope for today, God showed his love in a way that could never be questioned. Whatever comes our way, we can look to the cross and know without a doubt that our Heavenly Father not only loved us, but loves us. The answer to how do I know, it will always be when we look to the cross. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. what God has prepared to those who love him. my heart I 
to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing. to read from Psalm 121. This is one of my favorite psalms. Um, I did a wonderful Bible study years ago, uh, the Psalms of Ascent, and um, so this was one of my favorites. And the Lord spoke to me about it this morning to bring it, to, to read it to you. Shall I look to the mountain gods for help? No, my help is from Jehovah who made the mountains and the heavens too. He will never let me stumble, slip or fall. He is always watching, never sleeping. Jehovah himself is caring for you. He is your defender. He protects you day and night. He keeps you from all evil and preserves your life. He keeps his eye upon you as you come and go and always guards you. Thank you and praise you, Father God, for that. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day and for this amazing opportunity to come before you to pray, to pray for the needs of this church, those listed on our prayer page, and for unspoken requests. May your will Father God, be done in all of these things that I have mentioned this morning. And we thank you and praise you for what you are doing and who you are. And I ask this all in your precious Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 103, 11 to 18 verses. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them and now if you'll please join me in the lord's prayer and you're welcome to stand if you wish our father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory of
fall on my ear everything false will disappear silently now I wait for thee ready my God thy will to see open my ears and scripture today comes from Matthew 22 verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. If you'll join me now in a responsive reading. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would wrest the kingdom from your son and bring to nothing all he's done. Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known, for you are Lord of lords alone. Defend your holy church that we may sing your praise eternally. O comforter of priceless work, Grant one mind to your flock on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator and owner of all, you are so generous. You share with us. You share with all people in the world 
with the intent of them coming to know you, coming to love you, and coming to worship with you. Lord, we know not all do that, and we hope that as we reach out and others reach out, that they will come to know you. And Lord, the gifts that we give to our, our gifts that are given with love, with the love and the hope that there will be, that it will be used to bring your word to others, to bring, to bring them into your family, one that loves so much and knows really what it is to be who you are, to know who you are and to worship who you are. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is The Valley of Hamonah Gog. The text is Ezekiel 38 and 39, Zechariah 12, and Matthew 24. Last week I talked to you about Zechariah's prophecy, specifically how it relates to Israel and the end times. In chapter 12, the Lord told Zechariah that he would make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all those people who surround Israel. In other words, he'd make them drunk with hate. The Lord told Zechariah that Jerusalem would be a heavy stone burdening the entire world. We certainly see that today. But this has been true ever since Israel became a state in 1948. What we've seen in Israel the past two weeks confirms this prophecy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you enlighten us by way of your word and by your Holy Spirit. Make the ink come off the page and come alive in our hearts and lives to the glory of your name. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Slide one, please. Jesus described the Israel-Hamas war in Matthew 24, 6 through 8. And you will hear of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. These birth pains will produce Antichrist. I believe the Gog-Magog war described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 will be Antichrist's grand entrance onto the world stage. And that grand entrance will mark the beginning of seven years of what we call the Great Tribulation. Last week I told you that Ezekiel 38 and Zechariah chapter 12 are synonymous. Synonymous literally means a word or phrase nearly the same in meaning. In this case, nearly means seven years apart, minimum. Ezekiel 38 and Zechariah 12 will happen at least seven years apart. While Ezekiel and Zechariah's prophecies both speak of catastrophic, excuse me, catastrophic events that will mark end times, they are not the same event. One leads to Armageddon, the other is Armageddon. Regardless of your eschatology, your study of end times, these two events, as I said, will be separated by the very least seven years. In Zechariah chapter 12, the prophet is speaking of Armageddon. 
He never mentions Gog or Magog. Slide two, please. <clears throat> Zechariah 12, 2 through 3 from the NLT. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it and try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. In Zechariah 12, all the nations come against Israel. Ezekiel 38, only the nations to the north. Verse 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. This will occur when two-thirds of Israel have been wiped out. This will be the Battle of Jerusalem, otherwise known as Armageddon. When it appears that all hope is lost in the Battle of Armageddon, the remaining one-third of Israel will look up to the sky, crying, Lord God, please save us. And he will. He will save the remnant. And then they will see Jesus in great power and glory at the head of heaven's armies. Slide number three. Verse 10, they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. The sorrow and mourning in Jerusalem on that day will be like the great mourning for Hadad Ramon in the valley of Megiddo. The last king of Judah, the last good king of Judah, was fatally wounded at Hadad Ramon in the valley of Megiddo. We are speaking of the mourning. Israel was, the entire nation was in complete mourning for this king. And so it will be at Armageddon. As you know, the Valley of Megiddo will be the place known as Armageddon. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. Slide four, please. Zechariah 13, 9 from the Living Bible. I will bring the third of Israel that remain through the fire and make them pure as gold and silver are refined and purified by fire. They will call upon my name and I will hear them and I will say, these are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. And the people of Israel will know that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. By contrast, Ezekiel 38 will be a regional conflict prior to the Great Tribulation. Israel will be attacked by a confederate, one more time, confederacy of nations headed up by Russia and Iran. Armageddon will be global. Ezekiel 38, the Gog-Magog war will be regional. But if you ask most Christians if Ezekiel 38 and Zechariah 12 are both describing Armageddon, most will say, yes, that's correct. It is not. Most think that Russia and her allies being slaughtered on the hills of Israel is Armageddon. It is not. Most think Israel burying her enemy dead for seven months is Armageddon. It is not. As I stated last week, I don't think the Israel-Hamas war 
will be the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, but it could easily escalate to Ezekiel 38. Let me clarify. As I pointed out last week, no one will come to the help of Israel in Ezekiel 38, otherwise known as the Gog-Magog War. No one will come to their help. And although America has come to Israel's defense, consider this. America's resources have been deeply depleted by bankrolling the war in Ukraine. And now we could essentially be fighting two wars. And the Palestinians and Hezbollah are calling for worldwide jihad. And America has led an estimated 150 Islamic terrorists cross our southern border in the past three years. 150 terrorists have had three years to form sleeper cells and plan attacks. It only took a dozen terrorists to inflict 9-11. And our reserves are depleted to the point <clears throat> that we're actually borrowing money from China to finance the Ukraine war. While China is simultaneously working very diligently to unseat the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. So how or why would the U.S. pull out of Israel? We cannot sustain two wars. We cannot even afford the war in Ukraine. If we encounter terrorists here at home, or if China begins to call in our staggering debt, or if Russia were to try to sink the Gerald R. Ford, what happens then? But what most Americans don't know is Russia has equipped Syria with its latest technology, the hypersonic missiles. And they've also developed a technology to fit their fighter jets with hypersonic missiles that travel anywhere from 3,000 to 7,000 miles per hour. We have no technology to intercept that missile. We are currently aiding Israel in attacking Syrian bases, even after Putin has warned the U.S. and Israel, cease and desist. Yemen has started attacking U.S. troop positions in Iraq and Syria. Jihad could easily follow right here in the U.S., our world has become a very dangerous place. But what I really want to talk to you about this morning is Ezekiel 39. Slide five, please. The first, let's review Ezekiel 38. Verse one, Son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. I am your enemy. O Gog, ruler of the nations of Meshach and Tubal. Gog is a title like czar or king. The modern name for Meshach is Moscow. The modern name for Tubal is Tubalsk. Verse 2. I will turn you around and drive you toward the mountains of Israel, bringing you from the distant north. I will knock the bow from your left hand and arrows from your right, and I will leave you helpless. You and your army and your allies will all die on the mountains. Which mountains? The mountains of Israel. I will feed you to the vultures and wild animals. You will fall in the open fields, for I have spoken says the Sovereign Lord, and I will rain down fire on Magog. Magog is Russia. Also, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya will join you too with all their weapons. Slide 6. Verse 6, Gomer, which is Turkey, and all its armies will join you, along with the armies of Beth Torgama. Those are the stands, Tajikistan. Kazakhstan, from the distant north and many others. Get ready, be prepared, 
Keep all the armies around you mobilized and take command of them. In other words, God is saying, bring it. Bring it. A long time from now, you will be called into action. He's speaking to Magog. In the distant future, you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace and recovering from war. That could be recovering from the Nazi Holocaust. It could be recovering from the present war with Hamas. And after its people have returned from many lands to the mountains of Israel. That was 1948. You and all your allies, the vast and awesome army, will roll down on them like a storm and cover the land like a cloud. This prophecy has never been fulfilled. It's 2,600 years old. Magog is the land of the ancient Scythians, which is present-day Russia. Were you to tour the Kremlin, the first building you would encounter would be Russia's equivalent to our Smithsonian. And it is replete with the ancient history and lineage of the Scythians. Russia is very proud of their Scythian heritage. Alexander the Great expanded his father's kingdom from Macedonia all the way east to India but he never dared attack the north, never dared to enter a conflict with the Scythians. Throughout history, the Scythians have been the most brutal and barbaric fighters the world has ever known. China built its Great Wall specifically to keep out the Scythians. Slide 7. Verse 6. And I will rain fire on Magog and all your allies who live safely on the coast. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Who lives near Israel on the present day coast of the Mediterranean? Turkey, Egypt, Gaza, Lebanon, Libya, and Syria. Verse 7. In this way, I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will not let anyone bring shame on my name. And the nations also will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That day of judgment will come, says the Sovereign Lord. Everything will happen just as I have declared it. Verse 10. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. At that time, evil thoughts will come into your mind. He's talking to Magog. And you will devise a wicked scheme. You will say Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. I will march against her and destroy these people who live in such confidence. I will go to those formerly desolate cities that are now filled with people who have returned from exile in many nations. I will capture vast amounts of plunder. Bloomberg, Bloomberg News says Israel is setting on 250 billion barrels of oil. And they're begging the U.S. to send them their fracking, our fracking technology. By comparison, the Saudis have 260 billion. Back in the early 70s, Hal Lindsey thought Russia would attack Israel for all the potash in the Dead Sea. Potash is a very, very concentrated fertilizer. But 250 billion barrels of oil is worth far more today. Slide 8. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38.16 from the Living Bible. You will come from all over the north with your vast host of cavalry and cover the land with a cloud. Note the Gog War will come from the north, only from the north. Armageddon, the attack comes from 
all four corners of the globe. This will happen in the distant future in the latter years of history. I will bring you against my land and my holiness will be vindicated in your terrible destruction before their eyes so that all the nations will know that I am God. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud and cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. How will the Lord be hallowed in or by Gog? I believe the Lord will destroy Gog and his armies with a weapon unknown to mankind. No one will be able to explain it. There will be no doubt among the people of the earth that God Almighty slew Gog and his hordes. Therefore, God will be hallowed, revealed, re, excuse me, revered, and praised for this victory. Slide 9. Now, Ezekiel 39, verses 1 and 2 from the King James. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord. Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. The King James translates this literally word for word from the Hebrew. I will destroy five-sixths of your army. Russia initially sent 100,000 soldiers against Ukraine. It escalated to 200, but their initial onslaught was 100,000 soldiers. Iran will not miss out on this opportunity. They'll match that number. Hezbollah has 150,000 soldiers. Add another 150,000 from Sudan, Libya, Algeria, Turkey, Lebanon, and Syria. 500,000 soldiers. 500,000 soldiers invading a country the size of New Jersey. They will cover the land. You'll come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. Five-sixths of 500,000 is 417,000 men slaughtered on the mountains of Israel. Military minds marveled that Israel won its war of independence in 1948, outnumbered three to one. But the entire world will marvel and give honor to God for this victory over Gog. Slide 10. Ezekiel 39.9 from the NLT. Then the people in the towns of Israel will go out and pick up your small and large shield, bows, arrows, javelins, spears, and they will use them for fuel. There will be enough to last them seven years. A prophet 2,600 years ago wouldn't have known how to explain nuclear weapons. The half-life of radioactive material is seven years. Does Russia have nuclear weapons in Syria? I'll wager they do. They've already gifted Syria with their latest technology. Israel has been attacking them consistently for the past couple of years. I find it hard to believe Russia does not have nuclear weapons in Syria. What we do know is that Russian nuclear scientists are helping Iran develop their nuclear weapons. Are they online? Nobody knows. Verse 10, Israel won't need to cut wood from the fields or forests, for these weapons will give them all the fuel they need. Recovering nuclear weapons 
would easily power uh, Israel for seven years. They will plunder those who plan to plunder them, and they will rob those who plan to rob them, says the sovereign Lord. Verse 11, And I will make a vast graveyard for Gog and his hordes in the valley of the travelers east of the Dead Sea. If you know Israel, it's a long, thin strip. It's a red dot on your map. At the very south end of Israel is the Dead Sea. I find it a little ironic that uh, the dead of Gog will be buried east of the Dead Sea. I will make a vast graveyard for Gog and his hordes east of the Dead Sea. I will block the way of those who travel there, and they will change the name of this place to Hamonah Gog, the valley of the hordes of Gog. Slide 11. It will take seven months for the people of Israel to bury the bodies and cleanse the land. Everyone in Israel will help, for it will be a glorious victory for Israel. When I demonstrate my glory on that day, says the Lord. After seven months, teams of men will be appointed to search the land for skeletons to bury. So the land will be made clean again. Whenever bones are found, a marker will be set up so the burial crew, crews will take them to be buried in the valley of Hamonah, Gog, the hordes of Gog. And so the land will finally be cleansed. This is not the cleanup after the carnage of Armageddon. This is the cleanup of the war of Gog and Magog. Do not confuse Gog or anything related to it is having anything to do with Armageddon. Blood flowing bridle deep on a horse has nothing to do with the battle of Gog. Gog is dead and long buried before Armageddon. Gog is not mentioned anywhere in the New Testament until Revelation chapter 20. And that is after Christ's millennial reign when Satan is released from his prison. So how many of you hope to live another five years? If any of us live another five years, I believe we will see the war of Gog. We could see it in another five months. And what will happen then? God will save Israel in the nick of time. But Israel will still not believe in Yeshua, Ha, Mashiach, Jesus the Christ. Israel will survive the Magog war, but they will pay a heavy price. So heavy a price that Antichrist's covenant of protection will look like a godsend. With Russia and its allies soundly defeated, the only player left standing will be the newly resurrected Roman Empire headed up by none other than Antichrist. And speaking of the resurrected ancient empire of St. John's Revelation, yes, I know Revelation 18 says Babylon will be judged for all its evil works. But I believe the reference here is to a system, not a city. A one-world religion, a one-world socio-economic system which Antichrist will administrate with the aid of artificial intelligence. 666 will be a piece of cake with AI. But back to the war of Gog. Why did America lose the Korean War? Why did we lose Vietnam? The American people were tired of fighting. They were tired of losing their young men. Israel will be tired of fighting. And Antichrist will offer a seven-year covenant of protection from all of Israel's enemies. Antichrist will have assumed so complete control of this world, Israel will say, that looks like a deal we can live with. 
slide 12, please. Antichrist will sweeten the deal by guaranteeing that Israel can now rebuild their temple. I believe Antichrist will have to be a Jew from Europe. And I believe he will have impeccable credentials as both a statesman and negotiator and a religious figure. And he will be winsome and charismatic. Remember, Satan presents himself as an angel of light. Three and a half years into this covenant, Antichrist will betray Israel. The Gog invasion and defeat to Jesus' second coming. Seven years. The first three and a half years will be what we call a pseudo-peace, a plastic and right in the middle, what marks the middle of the plastic piece and the beginning of the great tribulation will be the abomination of desolation. Antichrist will enter the holy temple, the holy of holies, and set up his artificial intelligent humanoid which will demand that the world worship the beast, Antichrist. But if you want to know how this all ends, Jesus was very clear about how it all ends as he describes the last half of the tribulation. Slide 13, please. Matthew 24, 21 through 22. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. This is the last half of the tribulation. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. Russia alone has enough nuclear weapons to completely destroy this earth. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen one. Who are the chosen ones? Verses 30 and 31. And then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. What sign is that? Jesus at the head of the, all the armies of heaven. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. What's that mean? All over the world. The 144,000 messianic evangelists are going to be evangelizing this earth through the tribulation. There will be people come to Christ during the tribulation. He will gather all his chosen ones from all over the world and from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. If we die before this, we'll be part of that throng. If we're raptured, we'll be part of that throng. We'll follow the angel army. At Christ's second coming, his angels will gather his chosen ones from all over earth and heaven. Remember, those who have died before the rapture will be raised first. All the graveyards will be emptied out. And then we who are alive and remain will join them as we all rise to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 But what if Hamas war ends in just another week? What if it does not escalate 
and to the war of Gog. Slide 14. You may remember my sermon about the fig tree in Matthew 24. Jesus says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When it branches and buds and leaves, it begin, when the buds and leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. We're running out of time. On Jesus' prophetic clock, we're running out of time. The fig tree parable, we're running out of time. The fig tree represents Israel. It represents an Israel that has returned from a 2,000-year exile to Jerusalem. Jesus says that generation will see all these things take place. What's a generation? Psalm 90. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. Do the math. 1948 plus 70 years is 2018. Some even live to 80. 1948 plus 80 is 2028. Now do you understand if, why I ask if you want to live another five years? Slide 15. Verse 37. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People did not realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. No other sacred book in the world contains prophecy. The Quran has one prophecy. Muhammad would go to Mecca. Wow. Since Muhammad wrote half of the Quran, why? What a shocker. <clears throat> As I stated last week, why has God given so much prophecy concerning the end times? So we won't be afraid. So we know exactly what's coming. We don't know the day, the hour, but we certainly know the season, and we're in it. We've read the last page of the book, and we know we win. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there's no need for us to have consternation or anxiety about the time in which we live. You've given us to know the season. You've given us to know that the sweet second hand on your clock is about uh, 10 seconds away from your return. Help us live like we understand this. Help us live like we know that these are the last days and that your coming is very near. If we withhold the, the truth of your word, if we withhold your gospel from those we love, from those we know, we will be held accountable. So Father, give us your boldness, your courage, your love, your grace, and help us minister it to everyone we meet, everyone we know. I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. For my benediction, Hebrews chapter 6, slide 16, please. Verses 17 and 18 from the Living Bible. 
God bound himself with an oath so that those he promised to help would be perfectly sure and never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. He has given us both his promise and his oath. Two things we can completely count on, for it is impossible for God to lie. Now all those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know without doubt that he will give them the salvation he has promised. Blessed be the Lord. Blessings to you all. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. you'd like to stand. Go in peace.